Hi, and welcome back to Brentwood Stories. Our Quarantine Conversations podcast are rarely just about the quarantine itself. Instead, these podcasts have been an opportunity for me, Peter, and our guests to take pause and get to know each other on a deeper level. Perhaps one of the inadvertent benefits of the quarantine is just that. It has been an opportunity to slow down and catch up with our friends and neighbors. When we take the time to have these conversations, we learn things about one another that may have gone ignored otherwise. Today's guest is a longtime member of the library and a passionate supporter of our C Library program. For many members of the Brentwood Library, she is a familiar face. I am happy to welcome Tootie to Brentwood Stories. Um, my name is Tootie, and I have been in the Bayshore Brentwood area since 2014. And um, I am a web admin and uh, have been a very faithful Brentwood library patron. Have you noticed a lot of changes in the library since you've come on by, besides the, the obvious changes that have come by recently? Um, you know, uh, first of all, I like Brentwood area because it's diversity. And so um, I notice like, it's even more diverse than when I came in 2013. So um, it's been, uh, to me, I came up from a very diverse background and um, all areas that I've lived um, in the United States is always diverse. And so that's how I prefer it. You know, I've been to different libraries and I'm always just drawn that Brentwood is my home library. It's a great library. Uh, yes. Now, yes, it's even more beautiful now. Now, maybe we could talk a little bit about the beginning of um, the quarantine. And yeah. if it's a significant part of your story, maybe you could talk about how it um, affected you vis-a-vis -vis, um, your work life as well. But um, take us through maybe that. Um, what, what would you think is the very first day that you really felt significantly affected by the quarantine? Well, um, I typically follow the news. So when um, the outbreak started back in Wuhan, China, um, I started to be concerned because I know that there are a lot of international traffic from China to the U.S., vice versa. Um, but we've never been hit with something like, for example, uh, SARS or bird flu or um, H1N1 and so on and so forth. It didn't seem have that much impact um, to the U.S. But then when it started to branch out, you know, to Italy and things like that, and to see the devastation that this virus caused, um, I became very concerned. And so when um, the lockdown actually happened, I was actually relieved because I felt that, you know, if we didn't do what other countries did to prevent it from having a massive outbreak throughout the country, we could be in trouble because New York is a very dense place. So when it actually happened, I was kind of relieved, even though I don't like the idea of being quarantined, 
but I understand that is a necessity um, for all of us to be safe and to minimize casualties as much as we could. So um, that's what I feel. Did the onset of the quarantine have any significant effect on your day-to-day -day work life at all? Um, well, as far as daily routine, um, I have more time than before uh, because, um, for example, I, since my work is quite mobile, you know, I can work anywhere. I could work at the libraries. I could work um, at a Starbucks if I want to. Um, so when that is shut off, then my option of working at the library, which I actually like because, you know, um, there's some quiet places I can go to. So that's something that is slightly affecting um, my work. So I ended up just working from home and I'm, I'm lucky that I'm able to do so. Um, my daughter, however, um, because she works in a restaurant, then she basically um, just quarantined at home because the restaurant was just shut down. And um, so I um, pick up, you know, gardening is something that I've always loved and um, had no time practically uh, because of my routine. So the quarantine time gave me the opportunity to really work and pay attention to my garden. So um, that's how the, um, this pandemic affected me. And, uh, you know, there's a positive and there is a negative and the positive is I'm able to do gardening. And thanks to the seed library that we have, um, I'm able to tend many of the um, plants uh, that I receive, um, the seeds that I receive from the library. How instrumental would you say the library seed program was in that? Was it something that just happened to be coincidentally beneficial? Well, the seed library program started just right before the uh, shutdown, um, the quarantine period. So I had started with you know several seats and it was still pretty cold at that time there was no you know it's not a safe time to put my plans into the garden yet so i started indoors and um so i i really enjoyed um you know tending them from the seat um and instead of buying uh, plants from big box stores. So um, I really thank the Seed Library people. Thank you, Peter, for having this program in our library. Thus, I have really something to do during the shutdown. Thank you, Tootie. And I have to say also, Tootie's been um, so important to getting the Seed Library started. And about, um, I think the year before that also you had um, helped us start the first herb walk at the library Correct. and that was before the seed library started but it got us um, thinking about all of those uh, type of programs. Right, right. Um, 
uh, our guests, uh, among others, you know, which we had the year before and this year also, um, even though the format is different, last year was in person and this year is um, uh, virtual. Um, is Ellen Kamai. She is, uh, she has a PhD um, and is also a registered nurse who are very much, uh, who is very much um, encouraging us to live more naturally, more holistically. So um, among others is to eat organic food. And um, we were lucky that we were able to receive some organic seeds. I'm not sure from which organization that um, gave us the seeds or we purchased, uh, you guys purchased the seeds from, but um, that, that was, was Steph. I think it was Steph. I think the name of the person was yeah, Steph. Was Steph Gaylor, and she has uh, Invincible Summer Farms, I think it's called. Right, right. And so she actually, you know, started uh, um, quite a number of Grantwood Library patrons to get real interest in organic gardening and uh, not choosing something that is um, hybrid or, um, you know, genetically modified in terms of more of an engineering instead of like crossbreeding and to produce something better. But, oh, you know, yeah. we're, we're trying to keep the plants uh, as natural and um, organic as possible. So glad that you've been enjoying and taking part of all of our programs. Oh yeah, I, I enjoy every every just about every program that we have in the seed library program. Whether you know the seed parts itself, um, also the programs that we have on um, Seed Saturdays. Uh, many of them are something that are very beneficial to all of us. You know, not just something to eat. You know, like. Uh, plants that are that we can harvest for our food um, but also uh, the seeds that would be good for um, pollinators because Long Island experienced a downturn in terms of pollinators whether it's bees or butterflies so during this pandemic, um, all these interests, um, I think, flourish. If that's, you agree, Peter. <laughs> yeah, that, that's been one of the great, the great, I guess, advantages of this whole thing that people have been able to develop certain interests. Right. Right. Where, where did um, you were mentioning that you came to Long Island in 2013? Right. Where did, where, were you, where did you come from before then? Oh, um, we used to live in the state of Washington. Oh, Washington. Yeah. So Very we decided rainy. to move to the East Coast, um, and um, this is where we ended up. Oh, that's a big technology state, too. Yes, yes. Is that why you liked Washington originally, because you were, like, into technology? Yes. 
Oh. And on the east side will be, uh, you know, New York and Massachusetts, those areas. Um, you know, a little bit in Virginia if we are in the, um, like, military industry, but I am not. And so, you know, New York offers more opportunities uh, and they're more tech-savvy, a lot more tech-savvy people in New York and Massachusetts. Oh, very cool. Is there a big culture shock when you come from Washington over to New York? Yes, find... the speed. <laughs> mm. The speed of, of people, especially if I go to the city, uh, it was just mind-boggling, you know, like everybody's in a rush and everybody seems to be a lot more stressed out on the East Coast than they are in the West Coast. It's more laid back. Um, you know, we don't uh, drive, we didn't drive as, as aggressively in the West Coast. But um, I've met some wonderful people in New York and you know, really genuinely caring, uh, despite the fact that they always say, oh, the New Yorkers are rude and this and that, but I found it different. I found wonder, I've met wonderful people. And, and among others are my friends here at the library. You know, um, I've been pretty blessed to meet all of you. And Long Island is not as rush as it is in in the borough. Let's put it that way. You know what I can't help but think of? Um, it's you moved between two great 1990s sitcoms, Frasier with Seattle, Washington, to right. the New York City uh, Central Park of the Friends. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, I, I'm from a different genre, of course. Uh, Let's not date myself. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's definitely um, a different type of culture, a different type of people. But um, overall, you know, there's no perfect place. Um, you know, we all have our challenges in in any of the places that we live in. But um, so far, you know, it's been. Seven years. Do you keep in touch with a lot of folks from over in Washington still? Um, not very much because um, most of our um, friends and all that, they, you know, they have their own lives and the kids are grown and all that. And some of them move to a different state as well. So not much, only one or two families that we're still in touch you know, every so often. And that's that's another thing too, that during this pandemic is um, I learned new skills as, you know, for example, hosting Zoom meeting for families, um, Zoom meeting for um, like choir. I, I happen to be a member of choir at the church and um, that is something we miss to be able to practice together. And during the pandemic, we can't do it. And we're not supposed to because singing is one of the avenue where, you know, you can really spread the virus pretty 
significantly because we breathe and sing loud and thus, you know, the spraying and all that. So uh, that is something that we miss. So we decided, okay, uh, we can't meet. So we meet through Zoom. So there's some, a new skill that I acquired during this pandemic to reconnect yeah to reconnect with friends families and and also you know families around the world basically and friends around the world that um, have been missing each other and and because of this facility and everybody is on zoom so they're not like freaked out like oh come on let's try this and i uh, know trying to not be intimidated by technology instead we've learned to live with technology so that we can still connect um, and not feel so isolated. Where are some of the places that people live that you reconnected with? Um, many places um, in Australia, oh, wow. um, in New Zealand, um, in Indonesia, in Malaysia and Singapore. Um, wow. So it, it, it's it's a pretty big uh, the other side together. of the world. Yes, uh, you know, arranging time to meet it, it quite be challenging, and um, luckily we have um, an app where we can um, just punch in the number, uh, you know, times, time zone, and things like that, and then we can post it in the uh, Zoom invitation and say, okay, your time zone, it'll be at 11, then it, at night, or and then in the other side of the world, it'll be 11 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, it's, it's challenging, but it's fun. It's keeping the mind connected. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. You know, um, Peter, yes. I don't know if it's too soon, but Judy was um, mentioning food earlier, and I was feeling uh, tempted to ask our that food question that we like to ask. I was going to ever so gracefully edge it in there. Oh, and I just narrowed uh, it. I think we had a good segue before, and I'm, I'm glad that we're actually getting to this before we veer too much away from it. I was going to ask if um, any of the... Gar or, or at least at least how much of the gardening that you've been doing at home has been working its way in, into your into your cuisine absolutely um you know um one of the one of the objectives um other than you know expanding my hobby i like flowers i like food also you know because i you know, many people feel frustrated during the shutdown because they can't go to the restaurants. Um, that has never been my case. I cook 98% of the time, you know, only 2%. Occasionally I'd go to, you know, eat out. But for the most part, I um, cook. And so um, in my gardening effort, I, I tried to um, cook as uh, many things based on the seeds that I receive and I grow. And um, I was able to grow organically. And the only way that you know that you eat something organic is if you grow it yourself. 
you know, when you go to a store buying organic this, organic that at X amount of dollar, much more expensive, there is no 100% guarantee because you don't know the kind of soil. You don't know what they put in there. So um, with um, my garden, I was able to harvest the cucumbers, um, the tomatoes, the chilies, and um, the chards and kale and things like that. Um, you know, some are more successful than the others, like my okra didn't thrive at the beginning because I guess I, you know, as a learning process, um, I started the seeds a little early, so it didn't thrive and it, it died before it was time to transplant it in the garden. So um, I had a late okra second attempt, um, which I'm hoping I can cook before the frost hit. Oh. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I make salsa, I made, um, you know, um, salad uh, with all these um, vegetables that I grew. Um, so it was so much different when you buy cucumber from the store versus the cucumber that you get from your garden uh, just freshly picked and you eat it it just tastes so much better it's, it's like almost a life food that you eat you know a life vegetable so to speak so I, I really enjoyed this part of gardening that I'm able to also share some of the food um, that I harvested with friends and families. Did the garden survive uh, the hurricane that we had? Uh, the Isaiah? Yeah. Um, a little bit of damage. Um, it was like um, there was there was an evening wind that came and then I look at my garden and I said, oh my goodness, some of the the plants started, you know, falling. So I fixed it before the actual hurricane or a tropical storm hit again. And so, you know, thankfully it was not that much damage. That's really. Yeah, I was happy. <laughs> I was happy because it was, you know, tending the garden every day. I spent at least one hour each day to take care of it, you know, make sure that um, there was adequate pest control and things like that. But sometimes... Oh, that's good, an hour a day. Yeah. So I just, I, I don't want to use pesticide to the best um, that I can. So I, I really, and fungicide, because that was uh, one of my challenge right after the hurricane the following day it hit the uh, fungus um, hit basically uh, my cucumber plants and um, I had to cut down a lot of the leaves that were affected and um, apply some um, natural fungicide and um, to this day the cucumber is thriving so I'm happy it'll, it'll, it's on its last legs, and I expect that they, they slow down 
significantly. And I left one cucumber to hopefully I can save the seeds. Will there be any indoor gardening for the winter time? That's a good question because um, I don't have much room indoors for my plants. I wish I could. I'm not sure what I am going to keep inside. Probably my chilies. Um, I, I got a, what they call is Naga chili from one of the Brantwood patron too. Um, and he said that this chili is like a thousand times hotter than jalapenos. <laughs> Whoa. Mm. Naga chili. I'd like to see that. Yeah. So th that the plant is still small. So if I don't bring it inside um, when uh, the weather gets really cold, it will die because chilies are um, hot weather plants. But um, yeah, it's one of those things that I have to pick and choose which one. Uh, some plants are able to overwinter. Some plants are not. Uh, we still have quite a few green tomatoes. Um, so if the, the frost hits, then those tomatoes are gonna be uh, fried green tomatoes. <laughs> you think you have be prediction for what the coming months are gonna hold? Do you have any feeling for what the quarantine is, uh, how it's gonna develop if we'll go back to the quarantine or if things will keep opening? You know, um, I have my concern, of course, because it's been forewarned by a lot of um, health experts that there will be a second wave because flu season is just right around the corner. And um, my take is we need to be vigilant about the possibility of the second wave. and. Uh, we don't know whether or not this virus is going or already um, has mutated into something else, just like um, influenza, influenza A, B, C, etc. Um, so hopefully, um, you know, we will, or the health expert would find a solution before. Um, it gets worse. So my hopes is that everybody, it's not just me, but everybody is community at large to stay vigilant and, and take appropriate action. You know, we have gone through this global storm, basically, you know, of, of uh, uh, pandemic. So we need to be vigilant about the possibility and um, you know, try to stay healthy, basically, uh, because the likelihood of having a second wave is pretty high. And I hope I am wrong, but it's better to be healthy than not. So um, that's that's my hope. Has the um, gardening been your main pastime during the quarantine? 
Um, yes, gardening, um, attending Brentwood programs, events, um, online events. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of that. Um, uh, reading the books, um, many of them, I ended up reading the uh, digital version or listening to the digital version of the books. And then, um, you know, we met. Um, Julia Lane is the one who um, is in charge of this uh, book club. And I, I enjoy, uh, you know, mostly the nonfiction one. I like nonfiction books now more than um, the fiction books. So, Julia, uh, that's been a great book club that she's been doing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the books that she's had also, you know, um, is in conjunction with nature, with the environment. And that is something that um, resonates with me. It almost sounds corny when I ask this question, so I'm almost a little reluctant to ask it. But because it, it almost seems lofty to a degree, but it, if there is anything you would want to say to a future generation, whether it be a someone listening to this a hundred years from now that has no idea about what's going on contemporarily, and they hear about the the COVID quarantine, do you think there would be anything that you'd want them to know? Oh, yeah. Um, number one, resilience is important, especially during the pandemic, um, especially people who actually got COVID. Um, many of them felt that uh, the emotional toll of having to go through the uh, disease caused by COVID uh, virus was most of all um, psychological. So your body is sick and and feeling bad in general, um, it's, it's making the immune system low. So resilience is important to fight um, the disease, to not give up and I know it's it's horrible because I knew several people um, that passed on because of this, and uh, one of them is actually a Brentwood um, library member, and I have felt so sad because of it. And it's easy for me to say, you know, you really have to be resilient, but uh, based on the stories that I've heard from the survivors, they say you have to fight it, you have to be willing to just exercise your breathing. You have to move your hands, move your feet whenever you can, and don't just succumb to just wanting to sleep because um, if you don't fight back, then um, they, will, they will take advantage of your body being weak. So uh, my message for the future generation in, is be resilient. Um, also, be um, be able to actually be sensitive of other people's condition. Some people feel that um, this disease is made up or whatnot, and 
the reality is we have the statistics and the statistics even even if they miss it's it's not that i mean it, it happened people passed away because of it and so we cannot have the attitude of saying well i don't care because i'm young um it it, it doesn't work you know you really have to pay attention and be caring of people around you um if you're if you're not wearing mask or if you're not paying attention to the hygiene and things like that it will come to bite you uh, one day and you know you don't want to be the person that caused harm to others so um you know, heed the guidelines. Uh, the guidelines may not always be accurate. It may change from time to time. And that is to be expected for something that's new. Um, so um, my hope is for the new generation to stay strong, stay healthy, and, um, you know, care for one another, even at the at the time when it seems hard. I'm so glad that you're able to join us, Tudy. This has been a, a great talk that we had. Good. I hope I answered uh, the questions and I didn't go off track. Oh no. And if there's I, anything that you wanted, if you just wanted, to, if there's anything that we didn't ask you about that you wanted to add, you can. Um. No, I just um, I want to invite everybody to to really actually um, be more active in the seed library program. Um, I would like the library to also expand the seeds, not to just the food type of seeds, but also flowers to attract the pollinators. So that would be wonderful. Um, herbs that can heal us, herbs that can also be the pollinator. For example, um, echinacea, um, it's an, a native in, in many states in North America, including New York. And that's one of um, um, immune support uh, plant. So It'll be wonderful if the seed library program can be expanded to there. I mean, we're doomed, right? So um, hopefully in the coming years, uh, we can expand. Uh, yeah, in the coming year, it's going to be even better. It's going to be, yeah. we're going to have the, the flowers and the herbs and maybe right. more things. Yes, they'll be, it'll be awesome. Definitely. Okay. So I think we can call it an evening here. Judy, thank you so much for joining us. And my pleasure. Thank you again to Tutti for sitting down with me and Peter. And thank you to all of you listening at home. We hope you visit us again soon. And thank you as always to the Bretman Historical Society for making this podcast possible. Today's music is brought to you by Dr. Turtle. You can find his music and other tracks at freemusicarchive.org.